listening to Writers Off Topic, the podcast that takes a light-hearted dive into writing life, with your hosts Craig Hallam and Miranda Dickinson. In this episode, Overcoming Writer Doubt, the Disney villains we'd most like to invite for dinner, and book events. Welcome to episode two of Writers Off Topic, aka what part? I'm Randy Dickinson. My co-host is the amazing Mr. Craig Hallam. Hello, Craig Hallam. How are you? <laughs> Hello, Miranda Dickinson. I am fine. Thank you very much. How are it's, you? It's almost like I practiced that introduction, did you say? That, that was impressive. It was super like sick, it? That. Yeah. <laughs> it's taken a while. We get there. <laughs> How are you doing? Well, how's your week been, sir? Um, yeah, pretty, pretty well, to be honest with you, since <laughs> our last episode two weeks ago, I have done precisely nothing. Woo-hoo. Um, I have done no writing at all. I've tried and I just haven't got any done. Um, I'm in one of those, you know, where you sometimes get those slumps. Maybe, maybe you I live shortly. for the slump. This, my slump is that every time I open a file, I hate everything in it. Uh, uh, right. I really am just in that. I'm reading it back and going, this is absolute tripe. Um, and then I skip to the other thing I'm working on and go, and so is this. <laughs> and then I work on the one that I'm actually supposed to be really working on. Yeah. Putting loads of effort in. And I go, and this is the worst of the three. And what hey. I really want to do is go delete, delete, delete. But I have to stop myself doing that. I do that. The only trouble is that I've got a deadline, so I can't delete it. Yeah. I'm just going to keep writing like a crazy person to try and get that it done. Good, though. I've been talking to um, another author, Noreen, and we've both been saying the same thing, that sometimes you just kind of write something and need to plow through. Yeah. She's stuck around 18,000 words, and so am I, oddly. I said to her, just smash through it. Write any old drivel. Yeah. Get through it. Get to yeah. about 25,000 words and everything will all of a sudden just be like oh okay I'm back in a flow again and then I came home and thought yeah you should do that Craig and then promptly didn't but yeah so I've been in a bit of a slump to be honest with you the last couple of weeks writing wise other than that I've been great but how many how many I was gonna say decorating black pack furniture it's all happening I now don't have a single box of flat pack furniture (gasps) Have you defeated the flat pack mountain? I think it's more of a draw, but yeah. (laughs) It's a hooga-wooga or something if it's from from Ikea, isn't it? It'll be whatever mountain is in Swedish. Yeah. It's uh, there is some large pile of stuff in Sweden. I just decided I'm going to start naming my fantasy characters after IKEA furniture and see if anybody notices. Oh man, you're so cute! But just make sure you put like an apostrophe halfway through the word because that seems to be the thing. (laughs) Because that's how fantasy writers do it. When Bob turned uh 30 way back in the day i wrote him a fantasy short story um and at the time i was working in a print design department and had a lovely very very sort of like expletive heavy glasgow friend called mick i worked as a copywriter and he was a designer and so we had it that the two characters go on a quest and they have to go to the 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 place where all knowledge is found which is a comic book shop sure but the main character called it a comic book and and the guy who ran it uh, banishes them into a comic book until he says the proper thing and says that it's a graphic novel. A graphic so I novel, had yeah. <laughs> I had a spread in the middle that I drew, which was kind of him falling into a comic book and then having to find his way out. And the guy in charge of the comic book was called De Ave. <laughs> <laughs> the apostrophe Ave. 
I'm really proud of it. They'll never see the light of day. Um, so all these people browsing, browsing the boxes, looking at all the different uh, comics and you know graphic novels and stuff. And um, and he turns around and he's like, "You besmirched the name of a graphic novel." He's a right spotty bloke. Like he looks like he's not important. And then all these people turn around and start chanting, "Da a da a da a," <laughs> and then they get banished into a comic book. Oh, I love that. I have to admit, I did do that on purpose in Eater Tide, um, just because the character was being thrown into kind of a fantasy esque world, and I wanted that kind of dragonfly pern kind of vibe i thought i'm just gonna throw an apostrophe in the middle of the place name giggles for weeks about the moment you do that it's fantasy land isn't it that's what you do there's a brilliant i don't think it's i don't know if it's still there i think it is brilliant comic book shop in birmingham that's one of bob's favorite places so when we were cutting uh he, we used to go there though and i'd never been to one before so i thought it was amazing and i was like i've got to set a story here this is amazing because i'm pretty sure all the people that are just kind of randomly browsing and looking quite geeky are probably superheroes in disguise 100 no one's yeah. gonna check are they in a comic book so no. if you've got a superman t-shirt and no one's gonna check you're not actually superman exactly That's i think go. it's what it's like um hiding in plain sight That's it you get the glasses go and hide in a comic book shop with a marvel t-shirt on or slash dc t-shirt obviously yes and, of course because we would never favor one over the other absolutely not i was a spider-man kid Spider-Man and the Hulk were my guys. Did I tell you about uh, one of Flo's first baby grows that almost caused me to storm out of mother care? <laughs> no. When we were expecting Flo, we didn't know whether she was going to be a Flo or not. Right. I wanted to buy baby clothes that just weren't one way or the other because I was like, at the end of the day, they're going to wear them for two seconds and I've... I, I don't get the whole. They've got to be pink. We're doing exactly the same thing. You right? see, like I thought yeah. you might be. And at the time, because before Mother Care, Mother Care obviously went bump, I think this might be why. Um, <laughs> the ladies in there were just not friendly. Because you go in thinking, finally, I've got a reason to come in. It's obviously happy, happy place for pregnant people. And, you know, if no, no, because you start getting all the, you're going to disrupt your baby if you don't get this push chair and all of that. Yeah. And yes. Exactly. But they had a range of Marvel baby grows and they had a Spidey baby grow. And I just yes. said to Bob, I don't care whether we're having a boy or a girl or a somewhere in between. I am going to care a Spidey baby grow. My my child is going to have a Spidey baby grow. <laughs> and so I went up and the lady's like, is it for a little boy? And I was like, oh, it's for whatever's in here. Like tap my bum. Yes. And um, Whatever flavour this is. She said, oh no, we tend to try and dissuade mothers from, you know, I think it was like... What? I'm sorry, have I stepped through a portal into 1952? What is going on here? <laughs> and so I was like, I was so incensed because I'm like, I am buying a damn baby girl for my for my baby because my baby's going to be cool. Thank you very much. Uh, and yeah. so I literally did the, excuse me, are you not selling me a baby girl for my unborn child? Because it has Spider-Man on it. And she's just like, you just like to be quiet, please, because everybody's looking, you know. I think it's the mama bear it comes out. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to raise my voice ever I so slightly. Raise yeah. my voice in a very interesting manner. That's one good thing about being a singer. I've got pretty good projection. And this oh, poor yeah. lady. She was like, no, you can have it. You can have it. She literally, she threw my, she threw my change at me. She's like, just get out. Just get, go. Yeah. She fully deserved that. So Flo um, had a spidey baby grow. Yes. I have seen baby grows that are um, the Star Trek Next Generation. <gasps> See, now if I'd known they were there. 
Oh my, oh. I will be. Question is, what, which way, do they do them in different? Yes, they do. Yeah, they do the command colours, the engineering so, colours and the uh, and the science. I had an engineering yeah. mask during the time when we were masking, but I was quite annoyed because I wanted a Deep Space Nine engineering mask and they only did Next Gen or Voyager. So I had to go for Voyager because it was a nice colour. Yeah. But I was a bit like, in my heart, this is a Deep Space Nine because I'm a DS9 girl. Yeah, it should be a DS9 one. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, sorry, listeners. We are <laughs> by the way, if you ever want us to start a Star Trek podcast instead, we, we could do 100% it. Hundred percent, do that. We could. Do, we um, have gone off topic. Is this like you know, if a if if a tree breaks in a forest, does it make sense? <laughs> if we go off topic without actually saying what a topic is, is it classed to- as off topic? Interesting. What um, are we talking about this week, Craig? Oh, let's check the spreadsheet. Let me check the spreadsheet Ooh. of power. Uh, just bear with me. So, thank you to everybody who dropped in more questions we do still have a fair list um but this time we are going to answer one from erica cross thanks erica um in our instagram live thing that was um was supposed to be five minutes and ended up being 45 um she asked part of a question that we kind of answered last time so if you want to know what that is folks head back to the previous episode about how to complete a novel and how to find time to write which we kind of answered last time yeah she also tagged on to the end can we talk about how to be a confident writer and overcome self-doubt and i thought that'd be a really interesting one that's a great uh, question talk about we also have coming up from lauren john thanks lauren which disney villain would we want to have dinner with Oh, that's brilliant. So first of all, because I know that I am going to be terrible at this subject. Don't do this. I knew this was going to happen. Oh, I'm no good at this. I'm going to pass over to the one with the hat because she knows what she's talking about. That's what happens every single week. The thing is, genuinely though, here's my reasoning. So my reasoning this time. Welcome to Craig's Caveats. Yeah. (laughs) New section of the show. The thing is, you, you know that I am not really the best person to tell people how to be a confident writer and how to deal with self-doubt so I thought maybe you should go for this one first you think that I, I am add something in if I come up with it okay no but you project it way better than I do I talk when I'm nervous which gets me out of a lot of probably probably why I've ended up becoming a podcast host <laughs> which is going to get us through this podcast <laughs> this is going to get us through this podcast um okay I've struggled with this every writer struggles with it I think if you're feeling self-doubt if you if you're worrying about things if you feel like you're not worthy it just means you're a writer I'm sorry it just means you're a writer 100%. Um, I, I have it all the time I have it it's sometimes doubt is a is it's just a pesky beast because it will come at the point when you feel like you're flying it will come at the point when you've got a you're halfway through edits or even me it's pretty much self-doubt all the time yeah. hence the need for biscuits um <laughs> And copious amounts of Yorkshire tea to get me through it. Yorkshire tea. In my many years of writing, um, <laughs> I'll just I just weave my bath chair over here and I'll tell you my secrets, everybody. Come close. In my many years of writing, I've just found that it's just something that's there. It's like I get hay fever every year and it's going to yeah. be grotty when it happens. And you take as many precautions as you can to kind of combat it. But essentially, you're going to have to go through it. I think the only thing that's really helped me is when you realise that you're your first cheerleader. You are, you are the when you tell yourself a story when nobody else is seeing it, when it's not contracted anywhere, when you don't know what, whether even if it's going to be a proper story. When you're writing those first lines, before the self doubt kicks in, there is always that part when an idea is still sparkly where you believe completely in what it's going to be. Yeah. 
And then the challenge is actually making it look like that. It's like somebody said to me, I love this analogy and I'd choose it also. Apologies if you've heard me say it before. Uh, someone said to me that writing is like this, right? So when you have your sparkly idea in your head, it is an amazing recording at Abbey Road with the London Philharmonic Orchestra. Everything beautifully in place, everything sounding fantastic. When you tell somebody that sparkly idea, it's you and a kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> right because it is because in your head it's so much more it has to be epic to make you want to write it okay so whether you think you're capable of getting that onto the page paper or not at the point when that that thing turns up that's when it's fun and it's a game and it's everything that you wanted to be a writer for it's all the tingles and it's the it's fantastic the idea that you write down at midnight the next day you look and say what was I thinking but at midnight it was amazing and I think the key to do that is to try and kind of hedge that feeling you know I love this idea I do love this idea it might be a real pig to get down on paper but I love this idea what is it I love about this idea and keep reminding yourself what you love about it and I was talking to somebody the other day on the brilliant brilliant author Liam Livings on uh on Twitter check out his work he's fantastic um and he said I caught myself reading one of my books that's been published. Is that really cringeworthy? And I said, no, this is, you've worked, by the time your book is finished, you have come through so many battles in order for that book to be there. And yet as writers, we don't go back and revisit because we don't want to be seen to be divas or big headed, you know, just like, oh, I'm reading my own my words. I hate going back to read them because I can always find something that I've done, quote unquote, wrong yeah it's not it's not wrong at all it's just it's 2020 hindsight and usually yeah. by the time it comes out I've had a really decent rest from it so exactly. I've got a lovely clear view it's almost like I'm reading it from the first time I, I think go back and like have favorite bits have pet bits and yeah you know there's a bit in my novel our story it's a story about two screenwriters who are working in a line of duty style thriller writer's room and they meet on on uh, the first day when the team are being put together. And by the end of the first day, they end up by, by hook and by crook sharing a house as well. So they're sharing a dream. They're kind of at rivalries as well, because as people are, are being taken off the team, if they're not good enough, it's quite a cutthroat environment. Um, and so you follow them. So all the way through, they're either writing together or there's some parts where they're writing separately. And there's one bit where it's the two, my two main characters are Ottie and Joe. Joe's been a screenwriter forever. Uh, Artie, it's her first gig. And so she spends the whole time with imposter syndrome and thinking she can't do it, but knowing she can, which is, if you're a writer, you'll completely understand what that's like. Yeah. And there's a there's a bit where when I was writing the first draft, I honestly didn't know what to write next. I had not got a clue what to write next. I got a, I got a deadline looming. Funny enough, but like right now. And, um, <laughs> and I was kind of like, where do I go? I don't know. I know I've got to do, I've got to do a Joe chapter. I know what's coming up, but it can't come up quite yet because it's not the right place in the in the kind of the grand yeah. scheme of things. What am I going to do? And so I had him staring at a blank screen and kind of musing on the fact it's just a blank screen and that oh. bloody cursor flashing was that away. That bit, yeah, that was. Oh, I wrote it. I, I I went away from a manuscript. I opened a new document on Word and I wrote down what I was seeing, and that's what Joe's in. And I'm so chuffed that it made it through all the. Yeah. It made it through all the edits. 
Oh, now looking back at that bit, I'm like, yeah, obviously. Where's he going? Like, why are we doing this to ourselves? Why am I looking at this? This flash, the that that, and he and he calls the cursor a little flashy push. git. Yeah, yeah, calls, a little flashy git. He calls calls the cursor a little flashy git because it's taunting him because it's a blank page, and it's the it's kind of a cliche that authors are scared of blank pages, but it is that thing. It's that moment of doubt, and I'm so pleased that it made it in. And do you know what? I go back and read that. And I get a giggle every time. And it's not perfect. There's probably different words I could put in, but on oh, my life, I love it. I go back and I visit it. Because no, it's it, very Joe, though, the way he puts it. Joe is such a diva. For those of yeah. you who haven't read the book, the yeah, joke yeah. is that Joe assumes far more drama in his own life and the way that he approaches everything than ever makes it to the page. He is a complete drama queen about everything and totally overthinks everything. And so, yeah, it kind of it worked for him because he there's things that are happening and he is not happy about them, but he doesn't know what to do about them. So, and he's got to get this script written and he's under the cosh getting the script written and he's writing it by himself. He's not writing it with Otty and there's a reason why. But I go back and read that all the time. It's one of my pet. But it's one of the things that I'm the most proud of. So I've started now on days when I'm really feeling under it and it's rubbish and no one's going to read it. And maybe I only had X amount of books in me, you know, have whatever number I'm up to, the one yeah. before. Like the maybe, one, yeah. yeah, maybe I have 13 books in me or whatever. Whenever I'm feeling like that, I go to my pet bits. And also because I now have audiobooks and I've been very, very fortunate in recent years mm. to get cracking audiobook narrators and that takes you a step away from it. So you're not actually looking at it, you're listening to it, you're listening to the rhythm that you put in there, you're listening to what an, what an actor's done with it and I've been so fortunate that in recent years I've had cracking actors. I had to fight for them sometimes. But I've had people who totally get it and get the rhythm and yeah. get the jokes and get the and there isn't anything that's stilted. Whereas if you read it yourself, you always kind of fall over your words because the moment you start reading, you doubt every word that you've written. You can um, hear yourself, can't you? And you're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's a really long-winded answer, but I think you need to find fun all the way through and you need to reconnect with it and you need to kind of put aside your Britishness if you're British and listening. Yeah. Oh, this kind of, I can't possibly marvel in something that I've done. I need to just walk away from it and pat it from a distance. Absolutely not. And the the more time I've spent as a published author, the more I've realised that really it's down to you. It's down to you to shout about it. It's down to you to be proud about it. Even if you have to fake it till you make it. I, I would just like, so you'll notice the last few times when I've been talking about my books, I'll just go straight on social media and I'll go, I love this book. I love this book, going by it. The, the times when, as I'm saying, over the last few weeks, I've been having a massive kind of self-doubt, hating everything I write, slump anyway. Um, and I, I have them fairly regularly, as you were just saying, similar like like the annual hay fever. Yeah. I get them all the time. Usually about the same place in every book. I tend to stall about 20,000 words-ish. And then yeah. I tend to stall maybe three chapters from the end as well when I have this crushing moment of self-doubt but I've started to treat mine like I treat my mental health like Mm -hmm. I'm going to get over this in a couple of weeks and I'm going to feel so much better and my head will be clearer all I need to do is stop forcing it and ride it out yeah and I've just learned to ride it out just go you know what this too shall pass I can uh, just be patient some people write through and just you know write with a w through um keep on writing smash through it um it's probably the way to do writer's block and things like that as well but that's kind of different things sometimes you just have to give yourself a little bit of time and and kind of loop back when your brain's a little less fried so it's like um sometimes i get that feeling when i'm about to go burnout and it's a bit of a way of my brain going take a break you 
And I go, oh, it's taken me years to realize it, but it's basically the back of my brain going, take a rest. Thank you, uh, Erica, for asking that. Basically, we all do exactly the same thing. And just a, a tiny little story to add on to the end. I have a friend who is literally just starting to write the very first thing that she has ever written. Uh, she's wanted to for years, never got around to it. And now she's on it. But she texted me the other night to say, have you ever had a panic attack before you've even started? Nice. Um, because she was, yes, I oh, bless. Uh, do remember all of those. She had literally got herself into such a kerfuffle before she'd even put the first few words down. Oh. You know, and I think that's officially people that I've now met from literally before they've even started writing yeah. to people with 25 books or more out and everybody in between yeah. knows exactly the same thing at some point. I've only ever met one person who shall remain nameless, a person who said that, um, I'm, I'm going to have to paraphrase, but uh, basically said that writer's block is for quitters. I know, I've heard that, that. He never experiences writer's block because he has infinite confidence in himself. And obviously I won't say his name, but can confirm. <laughs> so if that makes you feel better, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. There's no such thing as writer's block when you're on a, when you're on a deadline. Well, yeah, there is. You just, yes, you just you don't get to get sit there for half an hour trying to work out what's going on. You have to yeah. find a different way around it. Put the kettle on, get another biscuit. Make yourself sit you back know, in Go the for a walk. Uh, you know, that gets, that gets me. Do out. the washing up. That's, that's my my place for all has the... their little ways yeah of, of just clearing their head a little bit. just give yourself some space i have a i have a tree outside my uh my tiny office window uh and i watch Ooh, the birds fancy. on that oh and no it's at the end of our drive um I, I look out there for a bit because i remember someone saying about um if you've ever been looking at something too hard if you've been reading or looking at a screen for too much the way to relax your eyes is to find the furthest thing to look at because the, it's your eyes try and focus. Even though I'm short-sighted, you can't see a thing past the window. <laughs> like a bunch of green, that's the sort of a tree. Um, but yeah, if the, the further you can look, if you can look there for five minutes, then you actually relax your eyes and it, then it reduces eye strain and all kinds of stuff like that. I so like that because the that long view is literally good and figuratively as well, doesn't it? Absolutely, because it takes you out of the brick wall that is your computer screen or your notebook or wherever it is you're yeah. writing. But I, I think I think with all of these things, you know, with writer's block, we'll cover all of these things in future episodes, obviously. Uh, and anything else you want to know about, you can always ask us. And we'll, you know, we want to just cover everything that people have questions about. Um, but in every single one of the things that seem to be an issue for writers, it's it's just another confirmation that you are a writer. Because if you weren't, I mean, if writer's block is for quitters, then presumably it's not because quitters wouldn't even get to the stage where they got writer's block because they wouldn't have started, would they? Hmm? Well, that's the so, whole point. Yeah, if it makes you feel better, I did get back at him in a panel later that day. But anyway. <laughs> oh, beautifully done. <laughs> um, yeah. Brilliant yeah. question. Thank you very much. Hope we've answered your question. Yeah, thank you. you. Thank you, Erica. Really appreciate that one. So Lauren has asked us which Disney villain we would <gasps> like to have dinner with. I think you should go first because you thought about this more than I have. I think it would probably be uh, Hades from Hercules. Oh, he's a pretty cool villain. Yeah. He's he like... appeals to my personal aesthetic anyway. We're both kind of uh, just want to be Ghost Rider desperately deep down. Oh, I love uh, it. But love yes, it. I, he's that very kind of sardonic 
kind of uh, very dry, yeah, I think we'd probably get on a little bit too well. Oddly enough, yeah. the problem is I have never seen that film all the way through. I've only seen bits when it's been on TV and I know that's shocking, but I still love him. It's a very strange one because it was Gerald Scarf, wasn't it, who did all the images for it? I don't know. Oh, was that, oh. So the guy who, basically the guy who did the opening titles of Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister, yeah. he was involved in the design of the characters. God, so it was very different from anything else they'd done before. Yeah, the animation was very, like the characters were very stylized. Very angular and very stylized. And look like kind of Greek murals. Yeah. Things like that come to life. Because you have the Greek chorus who are a brilliant gospel choir. Yes. They are frequently shown going around Grecian urns and stuff. So yeah, yeah it's very dark for Disney. But yes. kind of doing that story, it needs to be. You know, the, the the darker stuff that sits behind the shiny, shiny. Yeah. Those little moments where you're like, oh, really? Okay, we're going there. It's kind of the only way I can watch a lot of Disney. There are some truly brilliant Disney movies out there. And there are some that are also a little bit too saccharine. For I love The Hunchback of Notre Dame because some of the humour in that is so dark. So good. One of the songs starts with Paris, the city of love is glowing this evening. True, that's because it's on fire. But yes, fire. But there's also L'Amour. And he's leaning out of Notre Dame with a sausage on a stick while he's yeah. saying it. He's one of that, the uh, one of the gargoyles. Stuff. I love yeah. it. I love it. Um, and the poor guy that keeps being freed and then falling down holes and falling into I'm free, I'm free. I love it. It's just that appears to my sense of humor. Yeah. Dang yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have a Disney villain sidekick? Ooh. Because I have Ooh, a favourite. like that. Yeah, go for it. I want to know who this is. Iago. I, I knew you were going to say that. Why am I not surprised? I just think the idea of sitting down to dinner with him because he would just be permanently horrified by everybody and it's have that kind Gottfried's of voice as well you know what it is it's because i've got jewish in my family is that it right. just appeals what do you want you want a bit of irony i'll give you irony like i just i think he would just I'm... yeah that voice is fantastic I can actually do Gilbert Gottfried just a little bit. Do it now, do it now, do it now. The only thing I can remember him ever saying, like, quote-wise, yeah. is when he read Fifty Shades. <gasps> Did you ever oh, see that? No, I didn't. It's I need to seek it out. YouTube, I need to seek it out, yeah. Um, but, oh, he's great. Because he's obviously he's reading her monologue. Yes. His voice. Genius. Oh, wow. He ran me up against the wall and all of a sudden I felt like a real woman. <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh my God, Gilbert. The thing I love about Iago is that he's he is still a villain. Like, he's a little bit like Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Yes. Where he's cast his lot in. He's not pretending that he's there under any kind of sufferance. It serves him to do that. Yeah. But he still has this sardonic humour, which I adore. And so I think... I just think, I mean, obviously, like, I couldn't have crackers. Cheese and crackers, I'd have to just have the cheese because he'd have all the crackers. Polly want a crack. <laughs> um, oh, no, just because that is one of those things you just, when she starts, there's all the things that he says. But that whole, why am I not surprised? Like, I love <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I just, look, at the point when it's like, you know, the, the evil plan is hatched and he's just like, nobody saw this coming. Like, come on. Like, I just, I love yes. the incredulation that he has. I just think he's brilliant. So, yeah, he'd be my choice. Like, like you say as well, I love the fact that at no point, everybody knows from the start that at no point in this story is Iago going to get a redemption arc. 
No, he's not. Right. No, <laughs> no, he's not going to suddenly. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to send it. It's a bit like, um, did you ever see, it's not a Disney film, but did you ever see the Anastasia thing? There was a, there was an animated oh, Anastasia. I, I did as a kid, maybe. And you had, oh God, his name escapes me, the guy that does Mo in Simpsons. Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria. Sure Hank Azaria. Yeah, he plays a fruit bat. Who is the the baddies? Because it's it's uh, Rasputin. It's the, it's yeah. the, like the the mummified body of Rasputin that comes back yeah, from the yeah. dead, and he's the only Standard bat that's about. Yeah, he's not a vampire bat. He's the only bat, bat that's available, and he's a fruit bat. But it, that's the same sort of thing. But he's doing the Russian, so the Russian Jew version equivalent of that, yeah, yeah. and he kind of gets a little bit of a redemption arc at the end of it. But there's still. Right. That it's like that with Iago. With Iago, he's just you know he's going to go out laughing. I love that he's just kind of accepted his lot, and he's accepted who he is, but he's still taking the rip out of everyone. And I just love it. I just think he'd be brilliant. Yeah, even the guy he's supposed to be following is like, oh, yeah. really? He's clearly cleverer than the baddie, but he's still. But he's just a parrot. Like he could probably totally rule the roost, but he just can't be bothered. And I love yeah. that. I love that. But I just you'd rather just sit there and criticize everybody, <laughs> which I think at a, a, a dinner party that would be quite fun. Yeah, definitely. That's a you'd brilliant have to question. You're eating though, wouldn't you? Yeah. What is she having now? She's having dessert, really? I can't <laughs> just. Oh man, that, can you imagine? <laughs> She's I already had like forty six courses. She's having another one. <laughs> You have a stretcher. Like, you could just yes. imagine, oh, it'd be brilliant. Are we in a cartoon here or is this a Monty Python sketch? You know? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so that's, that's my choice. Right. That's my choice. Nice what a brilliant sense. question. Thank you so much. Yeah. That is an amazing question, Lauren. Thank oh, you. I love, I love these fun ones, I really. <laughs> and the last thing I wanted to talk about yes. is your event that you've been to over the weekend. I went to an actual event with actual people. Yeah. And so far, I'm still, touch wood, testing negative for COVID. So that's a bonus. I think um, you made it. I think you're okay. Oh, but, don't, 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 I'm touching wood, touching <laughs> so wood. You went to Harrogate, right? So what was the event that you went to? I went to Harrogate every year in Harrogate um, for quite a few years. I can't remember how many years it's been going. But at the Old Swan Hotel in Harrogate, which is where Agatha Christie because I don't know if you know, but Agatha Christie, at the height of her fame, basically went missing for, I think it was yeah. 16 days. It was quite, you can imagine it was a long time when you haven't got rolling news. Yeah. The greatest like female crime writer that England had produced went missing and nobody knew where she was. She was discovered at the Old Swan Hotel in Harrogate, having quite a lovely time. She checked in under I a false she name. She disappeared, but I had no idea. That, that is why they had the... And the that is there. why they hold it in Harrogate every oh. year. The proper name is even longer than my Wednesday night show, which I didn't think that's possible. Well, this it's, is why I have to ask, because I can't remember. It's the, the Theakston's <laughs> Old Peculiar Crime Writing Festival, but everybody either just calls it Harrogate or they call it Theakston's, Theakston's Crime. Is That's the hashtag that you'll right. see everywhere. Uh, so if you look at social media over the last kind of few days, you will see a lot of people posting pictures of it um and it's brilliant it's kind of a it's a weekend it starts on a Thursday but I do Friday to Sunday Thursdays they have a whole load of writing workshops so you can have master classes with really famous crime writers that's which cool. is and that's amazing yeah. and one time I'd like to do that but I just I don't have the money it's quite expensive but yeah then then the festival itself starts and you have seminars but the seminars are kind of a group of really interesting writers talking about one aspect of crime writing, talking about their books, 
talking about all aspects of writing, actually. So you get to kind of sit and listen to writers from all different kind of all different countries, all different genres as well, because there's so many subgenres within the crime community. So you get people who write kind of really sort of golden age Agatha Christie stuff. You get people who write police procedurals like I do. You get people who write really out there psych thrillers, uh, yeah. serial killer thing. That's the big thing this year. It's all like lady serial killers seems to be the thing this year. Um, but there's different panels on different aspects of crime writing. And so there are some people that go to all the panels. There's a lot of people that just go and hang out with loads of friends and yeah. they have big a big tent outside that's the, that's the bar. In, in the evening and kind of does tea and coffee in the daytime and um, it's open-sided so that I, that felt a bit safer as well after the last couple of years and so yeah it's just a chance to kind of go and see people and so I've been going since 2016 when I was secretly writing my crime novel but actually not writing my crime novel if anybody asked um but I just wanted to go and hear, I went as a fangirl first first off because you get, you know, one minute you're listening to Ian Rankin and the next minute you're listening to Chris Brookmeyer or you're listening to Val McTermott. The greats were all there as well. Lee Child was there one year as well. I went to listen to Linda LaPlante, who is just, I love Linda LaPlante. She's like the British crime writing Iago. She's amazing. <laughs> do not take any prisoners at all. She's had to really fight for what she's doing. But, you know, a fantastic body of work, obviously the Jane Tennyson stuff. She's got a new series that's uh, DC Jack War, who's brilliant and he's kind of like he's been in the Met and he moves to the Cotswolds but it's not cozy crime it's like proper right. it's proper still a proper crime novel but yeah to get to sit and listen to her talk for an hour it's just like such a brilliant thing and then come out and catch up with all the people that you chat to on Twitter I chat to on Twitter all the time so I went up on Friday and I stayed till Sunday afternoon in the lovely county of Yorkshire it's always lovely to be back and also from a, a personal thing Harrogate was always really important to my family because my family are all from Ilkley which is just up road and um, it was my grand's favorite we had to go and go to Betty's so you have to go to Betty's I don't actually go in Betty's because the queue is enormous but I always yeah. go and get something from the shop on the way back got me Betty's tea bags I'm fine they're made by the same people who make Yorkshire tea so I'm not I'm not you know I'm not cheating I was just about to say you tailors of Harrogate same people um I wasn't people like oh you're taking part in anything no but the difference this year is that I actually had a book that was properly published because last year obviously I'd signed the deal and I'd done the work but the book wasn't coming out till uh, April so it's almost like I've got a book and people say where is it it's not out till April so this year I obviously had the secret voices came out at the end of April so I had that. It wasn't in any of the bookshops, but I had one in my bag and took photos of it everywhere. It was like pretending yeah. it was. And then also I met up with my brilliant editor, Keshni, and the Hero Crew. I got to meet all the Hero Crew, which is lovely. That's my, oh, my nice. crime publisher. And they were just lovely. Very down to earth and fun. They gave me some proof copies of book two, which is The Silent Child. Oh. I know, and it's so gorgeous. And loads of them went because I had 10 and by the end I only had two. And that's just because I put one aside for my mom and one aside for my mother-in-law. Yeah. Uh, so I did spend the whole time just kind of disappearing into little corners and reading my book and oh, seeing my words so in print. Nice. And, and I put something on Twitter actually about it where I just said, it just doesn't matter how many books you publish. The first time you see a printed copy of your book is just the best. It's hands down the best and it never stops being the best. In fact, if anything, I think it gets better every time because you get to do it again and again and again. And it shows that you carried on. And also, I love the fact that you can open a book and know that you, you, you're going to know what's on every page. You've written every page. That still is mad for me. 
like I'm going to open this book and every single word I'm going to know because I will have written it and rewritten it and edited it and all of the stuff oh that, see that's so good because I open mine and I go Huh. No, no, no! Don't look for the, this. Well, <laughs> to be fair, it is. It's an it uncorrect. It's an uncorrected proof. So yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like, I've got some room uh, for your, things your going wrong. Dedication. Oh, it was more just more just the fact that I can see what's been a massive word document for most of the year suddenly typeset. Check I've out the font because I'm a geek. Something about having. Ebooks are great. Love reading ebooks. Yeah. Love that, you know, you can spread them around the world so easily. Absolutely yeah. amazing. But there is nothing like getting that one hard copy in your hand for the first time. I hate to say in it, opening the pages and just having, having a, a sniff, sniff. Of a brand new book. Yes. I'm aware that that's super weird. Taking it for a um, dance around yeah, the kitchen and every single time. Do you know what? See, this is what I was talking to Liam Livings about earlier on uh, on Twitter. We deny ourselves that so much. We apologize for having a book sniff. Uh, sorry, I've worked really hard to get my story into sniffable pages. If I'm allowed to have a sniff, it's like chef's perks, right? I'm allowed uh, yeah. to have a sniff. If I yeah, want to. I, I don't care if people read it. I want to sniff it. I want to sniff it. it on my shelf. I want and to try and it. put it on a shelf to see what it looks like. I want to take yeah. copious amounts of photos of it. I don't care. I don't. Yeah. I've worked really hard. And the difference with my crime novels is that I never thought anyone would read them. I thought they'd been shelved and I thought they'd been forgotten. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. I don't care what anyone thinks. And it's, and it's actually kind of beautiful that just a little bit of time has passed and then all of a sudden they've, they've got this. Uh, it's just and suddenly I've got two. Well, I put on I put on social media. I put and then there were two. Yeah. And also now I've got the page that says also by M J White and it has both of them on there. It says the Coral Al mystery and it has both of them. Like that is the only page I haven't written and that's the one I love. That one and the one that says a copy of this is found in the British Library. A copy, a catalog copy of this is found in the British Library. So even when I'm dead and gone, there will be an entry in the British Library, probably just a spreadsheet, but I don't care. In the British matter. Library, that says I wrote this book for posterity. So even when I've gone and forgotten, and my hats have been auctioned off, then <laughs> it's probably worth more than me. To be fair, one of the things that people ask me about quite a lot because I do most of my sales at events. You do you loads know, of I events in the year, don't, don't really, you? Yeah, I have to though. As, a, as an indie writer, the events are how I do my thing. Um, yeah. You know, nobody finds them on Amazon. They're not in Waterstones anymore. They disappear from Waterstones very quickly, you know, things like that. My events are the, are the only way that I really sell things, which is nice. We'll talk about it another time. Because not every author about. gets events. I mean, that's yeah. the other thing. Not every author knows how to do it or knows has channels to do it. God, neither did I. Looping back. Looping back to our original question. Got our loops. Uh, I always feel when I come back from an event, the most charged up, the most ready to write, and the most yeah. switched on than any other time. Yeah. Um, just talking to people about writing, what books they like, what books I like, maybe even selling a couple of copies, which is always nice. Yeah. You know, doing doing that, and people will come back and ask where the next one is like people have been asking for alan shaw three for like three years now you know so cool i'm sorry it's written it is written it's with the publishers i promise it's not it's not it's not me it's actually at the um, publishers that's good news oh, news oh yeah flash. They, they've had it ages alan three at the publishers doesn't matter those are the publishers <laughs> that's when i feel the most charged up so i i love going yeah. to events and meeting folk yeah i think the, the big difference for me this time is i felt like i owned it 
and I haven't done that before. Um, oh, I've always felt like I got to kind of tiptoe in and be very black country and apologetic, like like I had been with my tweets, promotional tweets, you know, because there was always that thing oh, of coming in as a fan girl. Yeah, and then you know, there's people there that are proper crime writers you know like, you know the thing that no, annoys me I, well, about you, know you say yes. about me right yeah. so I do that with proper crime writers I'm not a proper yeah. crime writer but I am actually a proper crime writer because I have other I've other got a scene but when you you, know, you turn around and Val McDermott's at the bar I mean that's you do suddenly go what am I doing here the difference this time is knowing that I had a book and I had it in my bag so I could take photos just completely shamelessly this time oh, now he's gonna get very of it hey val hold on to this a minute while I hey yes you just you can you just hold that oh yeah just smile the first page tell I me it's lose... amazing so i can quote you please <laughs> see i lose the power of rational speech when i talk to val mcdermott so that would be i just go oh, 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 not, and then just nothing val mcdermott for anybody really yeah do you know someone if you're someone that you're like you like you're really like yeah. famous this time i kind of I put a different hat on literally a sense of belonging yes went in and just went this is my event I'm yeah. a crime writer now. This, is, this is my event. I'm not sneaking in the back door. I'm not going to get people saying, why are you here? Everybody knows I've got a book because I have banged on incessantly about it <laughs> for the past year. But what was so lovely is that nobody went, oh, yeah, you little tin pot vanity project, which in your head is what you think people are going to say. 100%. Yeah. And what some people may have said behind my back that don't know that I know this. Um, <laughs> welcome to the world of writing. <laughs> there have been people that haven't been, haven't really understood why. Every crime writer there understands because they've all been in that situation where they came as fans and they, the next you know, the next time they come, they're up on the stage taking part in something. I mean, that hasn't happened to me yet, but I know loads of people it has done. And that's well, really... I kind of don't mind if it doesn't because I like just being there, but I, I felt like I was on an equal footing this time. And part of that was that confidence thing of just going, no, I'm, I am coming as a crime writer yeah. I'm a published crime writer I'm going to meet my publisher when I'm up there I might even get proofs of my next book when I'm up there having that in my bag even if I I mean I was showing everybody to be fair I didn't even I didn't even wait hi who are you yes there's my book <laughs> so but that's such a change for me that's years and years of just not saying it being really embarrassed not talking about it never referencing it asking people incessantly about their books because I I like to be in a conversation about books without actually talking about my books yeah and I think that yes. attitude thing is oh, such man, a do different do you know when you just go tell me about your book because then you're having that lovely conversation where you know you're both writers but you hope by keeping them talking you don't have to talk about yours tell me about your books Craig yeah I, oh you know I hate that. I went straight yeah. in for the segue there did you see I'm terrible absolutely terrible but it's more than happy you. to talk about anybody else's writing books anytime whatever they're working on more than happy like my friend earlier that was talking about happier talking to me about yeah. her first sentences than I am about my like ninth whatever the hell how I'm many books about. is it now how many books have you written now nine. that's amazing but and this is this is the typical Craig caveat. here's Craig's caveats part two um, some of them don't count why um because i count ones that haven't even been published i count the mystical wombat's guide to life which is which is, is inexplicably never found a publisher but did have 17 rejections still love that what well, i want that one to get released really? some are literally just like short like really short things that i'm like oh i, I have this thing in my in my head where i uh, i have a main project that i'm working on yeah and then 
I have side projects that I'm working on. Okay. For some reason, even when the side projects are also finished, they still feel like side projects in my head. So Oshibana Complex, for instance. Which is brilliant. Everybody go and check it out. You know. Um, available you on Amazon. It, available on <laughs> Amazon. Spell it, go find it. Um, brilliant. But yeah, as, that was a side project for a couple of years while I was writing other stuff. I'd tinker with that as well. And yeah. so even though it's out, it still feels like a side project. It's in the list. It's in the list on Amazon. I know, but isn't it weird? It's so odd. I'm, I'm very aware that that's a very odd thing. Authors are odd. Authors are odd. It has to be said. Emmy's the same. Emmy's one of my favourite things I've ever written ever. Emmy's fabulous. Check that one out as well. Oh, you cheat. You do you like to see what I did? See what I did? Oh. You took it back books? No, that's it. I'm done now. I'm going to try and trap him. And I'm like a ninja. And he's just done five minutes that he can't ever take back. And who's in charge of editing it? Me. You so, are, ha, ha. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Lovely listeners. I am very privileged because I'm getting the chance to read something as Craig is writing that I think oh, is the best no. thing he has ever written. And I love everything that he's written. I must agree, Burn fan. Oh, I'm quite happy to say it. if there's a t-shirt, I'll wear it. Um, <laughs> but he's writing something now that is amazing. To the point where I literally dropped what I was reading to read what he's doing. Whenever he sends me new bits, and I'm really embarrassing now. If you watch on the video, you'll see Craig Hallam thoroughly embarrassed. Obviously, just the lighting in his office. I do have a really lovely story from like three weeks ago <gasps> um, that's just hit me, and I just remembered. Uh, so we went to uh, Steampunk Asylum, the big steampunk event in Lincoln each year, and uh, you know they have a lit bit. All the steampunk writers are there, that kind of thing, and. It must have been like six or seven years ago. And I always remembered this kid. And she came up, she came up to the table and her mum introduced her. And she said, oh, she wants to be a writer. I was like, oh, that's great. So yeah. you got talking as you do. And I think she was like nine, between like nine and 11. Oh, wow, yeah. So, you know, we got talking. I was like, oh, what are you writing? And, you know, we got animated because you do when you're talking to writers. And she said, oh, yeah, I want to write fantasy and blah, 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 blah. And Laura, so that's my wife for anybody who's listening, um, always mentions this kid. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that kid. She was yeah. a really nice kid. And I got an email from that kid three weeks ago no she's been writing her own stuff and she still writes now and she's like in university now she's like oh it was really nice to chat even though it was like seven years ago and I really appreciate it and I just lost it yeah I was just like I got totally emotional about I don't I just I did I got really emotional about a proper lump in the throat I was like oh a lovely thing to do to reach out and say hello um and she was like, I don't know if you remember me. I was like, oh, I remember. Oh, yeah, the one yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember talking to you, yeah. I oh, isn't that lovely? I think that's the other thing, and I'd say that to every writer as well. Never underestimate what any conversation you have with anybody, anything you say in a panel, anything that you talk to somebody just in the, just in the moment of conversation, any little message you send on Twitter, never underestimate where that could take you because that might be the that might be the gate that opens that lets somebody else find yeah. what they want to do or just meets them at the point when they are and I think that's the magic of it forget all your prizes and all of that wow. stuff when you realize that what you've done has directly affected somebody else's life that you've never met or you've met once my life that's the good stuff that's and that's the, the stuff to remember I mean I think like I was saying store them away better still if you've got if you've got a supportive other half get them to do because Bob reminds me of stuff that I've yeah. forgotten 
you said this this time last year and I reminded you of this and it helped <laughs> yes it did thank you oh, yeah, and it has yeah. helped good again. work Bob good work Bob is a, a, a well-versed book widower he knows exactly what to say at exactly the right time yes you said this before no it's not the end of your writing career yes you're gonna like it doesn't even take his doesn't even stop watching telly just he just says it you know we talked about confidence a lot in this episode and I think it is it's the biggest hands down the biggest challenge to any writer is your own confidence it's not the publishing industry it's not rejections it's not any of that stuff it's about when it's you and the paper just getting it down getting writing down and every time you've done it that's another time to look back and say, well, this happened last time and I got through it. And this yeah, happened last time. It. Like I say, I manage it now like I manage my mental health. So many people say they're going to write a book. If I wrote a book, it would be a bestseller. Those people are never even going to commit one word to paper. They're just going to give up. They don't have what you have. And I say this to people all the time, and it's really annoying if you want a get out of jail free card and you want to just pack it in. You can't pack it in because you are called as a storyteller. Storytellers have been a key part of human existence since the dawn of time Absolutely. when it started off as a verbal thing before anyone learned to write stories with what people use to make sense of the world and storytellers were held in high regard and even if you don't feel publishing doesn't always hold storytellers in high regard but readers do and so you are part of a noble calling so if you're listening now and thinking i'm going to quit sorry you can't because it's a noble calling there's that a reason that, that scolds bards you know storytellers have been revered members of society for so long lots of armies musicians and storytellers and bars were part of armies and not just because their music was bad and they went out first all right (laughs) i do remember someone saying that maybe they were just really awful and they just set them out gunfather coming through um but no they did it because they understood the power of words and the power of music to lift spirits to make people believe in themselves so you imbue other people with confidence which is the irony of being a writer that most yeah. of the time you're battling battling your own confidence but what you write can give somebody that you've never met a whole heap of confidence and that's the, the magic the ability of books. to get through that day you only need to be there for that one day when they need it absolutely and oh man that's a wonderful have- way to end the episode how yeah. do you get, we did, we're getting better at this. I think we actually are. Oh, wow, that's so weird. <laughs> if um, you have a question that you would like to ask us, there are lots of ways you can ask us. You can email us. I'm going to say again. Writersofftopic at gmail.com, all lowercase, no spaces. You can send us messages on Twitter. Uh, Craig is Craig Hallam84, which is the number what? of characters he's going to write in his next fantasy novel oh, with apostrophes right. halfway through their names. <laughs> and... <laughs> I am Wordsmith. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and on Instagram, always around. If you are one of our lovely patrons, you can always ask us a question on Patreon. You can ask us serious questions. You can ask us daft questions because we like daft questions too. Um, anything you want to know, let us know. Anything you'd like to see in the show, let us know as well. Also, don't forget that you can listen to us on anywhere you get your podcasts apart from Spotify because they're not very nice. You can always listen back to previous episodes. We've had 118 downloads, haven't we? 118 downloads. Since we started, which is pretty good. That's madness. <laughs> and don't forget that you can support us on Patreon. If Patreon, if you want to, you can become a patron. I'll pay every time. Every time, Craig. Every time. I'm never going to get this right. 
Um, you can become one of our lovely SWAPs supporters of Writers Off Topic podcast. It's not essential. You can always listen for free. All the details are at wherever you get the podcast. You can get in contact with us and we'll be back very soon with more of the same, won't we, Craig? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, everyone. And we'll check you out next time. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye, Craig. Goodbye, Craig. been listening to Writers of Topic with Craig Hallam and Miranda Dickinson. A Coffee and Roses production 2022. Support the show at patreon.com forward slash writers off topic.